Welcome to Lost Without Japan, a travel podcast about the life-changing experiences of exploring Japan and those moments we would be lost without. For your listening pleasure, allow me to introduce your very own Kanko Gaido, Michael. Welcome to episode 15 of Lost Without Japan, a travel podcast about the life-changing experiences of exploring Japan and those moments we would be lost without. This is your very own Kanko Gaido for TKIC Studio Productions coming to you with hopes and dreams of a return to travel for himself and others in summer 2022. I'd like to thank you for giving me a bit of your time today. And I truly hope this podcast finds you in a good place or on the path to a better one, no matter how it may seem at this moment. My belief is that we could all use a beacon like this in our lives to help guide us during these times. And my hope is that Japan, along with this show, will become that for you. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're returning Lost Without Listener, thank you for returning once again. Let's start today's show with the third episode on Osaka, as well as the second part of us discussing lodging in Japan with some positive mental imagery. As you arrive for your flight to Japan today, remember, the left lane is for loading and unloading only. And please double check that you have everything with you as you get out of the Lost Without Japan rideshare. You have made it. Today is the day you leave for Japan. As you go through the doors of TKIC International Airport, go ahead and take a few deep breaths and come along with your Kanko Gaido, as we will get you on your way for either your first trip to Japan or your return trip to Japan so you can make your own loss without moments. As we go through the security checkpoint today, you're going to notice another member of TKIC Studio joining us today. Tom is tasked with helping make sure everyone is able to stay with the tour group today. Hey, Mike. Long time since last night of seeing you. I am pumped up about being here with you today. Thanks, Tom. Thanks so much uh, for joining us on the show today. Uh, How long do you think it is now that we've been friends together? Mike, we met back in 2016 as gamers. We met at Quigley's, an Irish pub in downtown Naperville. Is there anything you'd like to share with our Lost Without Japan listeners? Hey, I really enjoy traveling. I'm very impressed with your passion about Japan. I live here in Naperville with you, married to beautiful Stephanie, and we have five kids and a dog. We've been using our vacations to take the kids to national parks until they get a little bit older to appreciate international travel. It's, I can agree with you there. I like the, the expense and things that's here. My dad still uh, likes to point out trips that he's paid for uh, when we were younger that we just don't remember. So I think you're doing it the right way, Tom. Uh, Tom is a member of both of my Dungeons of Dragons groups that I take part in on a biweekly basis, much like this podcast. I, I can honestly say his insight and logical thought he brings each time we play really gets the most out of our sessions. When he isn't there, my character's been known to well, die or join the other side or sell a map uh, that we needed to get to where we're going. It, it was during one of these sessions that Tom had a great idea for the show and asked to join on an episode. Tom has traveled internationally, 
but has not been to Japan before. And he brought up the idea that maybe he could ask some questions and give some input as someone who's not been to Japan yet and is in the process of providing, you know, even more uh, when he does so to you, the listeners, because I got to think that there's a good chunk of our audience that hasn't been to Japan yet. And truly excited to see uh, what you're going to end up bringing uh, to the show, Tom. You know, originally, I, I have to admit, when you started talking about this, my first passion and go-to was, let's do a podcast about whiskey. You and I both love it. I love uh, Japanese whiskey. And I thought, hey, this would be an easy place to start. But the more I thought about it, the more I didn't know about Japan and the more interested and curious I was. So really happy to be here. And, you know, maybe down the road, we can do that whiskey episode. I, I look forward to it. I definitely do. And we're going to have an interview with Tom in the future uh, to learn about the HR director for TKIC Studios. But for now, let's continue on with today's episode. Let's see how your preparation for your trip is going. Remember, you can always reach out to the show at lostwithoutjapan at gmail.com or lostwithoutjapan on Instagram. How are your dream come true savings account going? Hopefully, you're seeing this begin to grow or forgotten about it and are pleasantly surprised at your progress. And, you know, Tom, I have my own account. I have it totally separate and a totally different bank. And it's huge because uh, I don't notice it when things happen. Uh, and when you have kids um, or just life in general comes up, you need money. But if I don't see it, I don't think to use it for great other idea. things. It's a great know? idea. <laughs> it's like, uh, remember, the big thing that I want to point out is like no amount is too small. All that matters is that you're taking that first step we're continuing to move forward uh, with this together, okay? Feel free to take advantage of your, your travel planner at any time for support or just so we can celebrate your successes together. Just like listener of the show, Brianna, who ended up finally, Tom, booking her plane trip for Japan uh, end of August. She's super excited. I, Is that know, a good time to go, end of August? Um. Really, I don't think there's a bad time to go. My favorite time is November, but being that I teach, I can't, can't get, go. Yeah. Can't go. Yep. Can't go. Uh, so, you know, you got to do what you got to do. I think any time is a good time, no matter what, no matter what. Um, so one of the things that I was thinking of, too, is uh, we will give a list of things that we purchase like during this time. Uh, my big purchase, of course, all of you have been waiting for, I'm sure, with bated breath, has been that MacBook for the show to arrive. And guess what? It did. And um, we're using that to record today's episode. And I already used it to record an episode with the, uh, the, the cast of Japan 2.0. And that bonus episode uh, dropped last uh, Thursday. And we're kind of in a fluid session right now, everyone. We are going to be moving on to the city of Kanazawa, uh, as, long, as well as our third part and talk in lodging. But we already have some interviews lined up for the show. And as always, uh, today's timestamp to take you directly to our talk on Osaka part three can be found on the show's Google Doc. Link to the document can be found in today's show notes. Excellent. I you know, you did that so professionally. I love it. Love it. This hiring is already showing dividends. Uh, I have some big news for the show um, due to, uh, you know, Tom and different things that he was bringing up as far as reaching out. He's going to go into that in a little bit. But I was able to do a collaboration uh, with Deep in Japan two weeks ago. 
Um, the Jeff, like there, he provided so much uh, feedback as far as like our initial show setup for audio. And it was so much fun getting to do a very tongue in cheek uh, episode where we were joking around, pretending that I was actually interviewing for Trevor's spot on the show. And I know I could never uh, replace Trevor um, and can't thank Jeff enough for letting me hang out with them for a little bit. Um, his like instrument setup and everything that's here is something that's like a super long term goal for me, uh, Tom. I'd love to have us both sitting in front of four hundred dollar microphones, um, but that's not going to be for a little while. It's not in that TKIC studios uh, budget at this point. Um, you know, I Jeff was great. He had some uh, interviews and different things. He has a huge back catalog. A lot of his interviews for different authors have ended up leading to audible purchases for myself and just Trevor and Jeff, when they get together, it's called their happy hour. And it's just like so much fun sitting there experiencing two friends, spending time together, talking about video games, waifus and making purchases from uh, Yakuza to fill, fulfill your gaming needs. Uh, so you know, it, it's, it's, it's great. It's great. Mike, we've also been reaching out to some local business owners in Osaka in particular uh, recently to see if we can chat with them for 10, 15 minutes. Listen, if you are living or know someone in Japan, we'd love to talk to them and learn about their business, their restaurant, their day to day. So the link to this episode is in our Google Doc that can be found in our show notes for today's show. You know, it's truly amazing. Uh, that that's not the only collaboration for Lost with, Without Japan since our last episode. And more information about that's going to be coming in the future weeks. And that's in no small part to Tom kind of pushing that here. And I I really do feel um, that all these bonus episodes or episodes that will be coming up are going to be things that you're going to enjoy a lot. We have an interview uh, coming up uh, with a website that talks about tours in Japan. Um, also one that, that has like different types of lodging and we have, a an Instagram, uh, gentleman that's going to be coming along too. That's just kind of living in Japan creative. That's going to share a little bit about himself. So stay tuned to those. Cause one of those episodes is most likely going to take the place of our bi-weekly spot just to give the show a little bit of time to, um, get ready to, uh, get Tom's interview going. And then also um, have another listener of the show on with us uh, so that he can give some firsthand knowledge of being in Kanazawa because it's not a city I've been to yet. And, you know, I truly feel lucky that we have all each other on this journey. I'm looking forward to both of us supporting each other's dreams and goals. So with that, congrats at making it through and finding your correct gate for the trip. Tom, you know what? You really did a great job helping make sure everyone made it to the gate today. If you're ready, um, why don't we go ahead and have a seat and wait to board our plane today and we could start talking about today's uh, show topic, Lodging Japan Part 2, where we're going to be talking about hostels, capsule hotels, and temple lodging. All right, so I'm going to talk about hostels. Hostels and capsule hotels offer lodging and meals at some of the lowest priced options in Japan. Uh, I, I've had some experience staying in pensions and hostels in Europe and really love the experience. Mike, you've you stayed in hostels in Japan before. Yeah, I've used hostels in Japan before on previous trips and really don't mind using them when you're traveling with a group. Because uh, hostels, you know, are great if you're on a tight budget. 
or for those of you that find you're staying in a city and that you weren't planning to and your budget kind of is like, oh, man, do I spend the night here and really enjoy my stay or do I hop a train back and kind of like waste out on something that I didn't know was going to be an awesome experience? So all of that's great. And I got to tell you, um, one thing that I can give, uh, you know, these rooms and things like that is that if you're going with a group, one thing I was able to do, Tom, was we found out that our room actually was for five people and there was only four of us on the trip. And guess what? We didn't want like some random a person joining us. No rando, right? <laughs> you know, it's, it's it, like it, it, it is its own thing, but you know, no. So what we did was we created uh, a fictitious uh, person that joined us uh, by the name of Matt. Uh, I don't remember, but doesn't matter. But Matt, uh, when we showed up, there were four of us, and the person at the hostel was like, "Hey, when Matt comes, make sure he checks in with us so that we can, uh, you know, check him in." I'm like, "Don't worry." He's just down the road. He'll be here any second now. Any second, any second. So we had that room to ourselves. We paid for the fifth person. That fifth person was only there in spirit, though. So great insight. Yes. (laughs) Hostels, this type of lodging usually requires you to share bedrooms and facilities with other travelers like Matthew. But because of this, they are able to offer lower rates than you will find in a lot of other lodging options. One perk of staying at a hostel is that you get the chance to interact with travelers from all over the world both in the shared common area and also in your rooms at night. For example, I, I stayed in Poland once and, and met a, a, a couple from Sweden. Great experience. Never been to Sweden. Got some insights from them. Another perk is that they can truly be found in all major cities in Japan and can even be usually booked online through a variety of sites. Hostel World is a site Mike has used in the past, but I'm finding that when I search for hotel options in Japan on Google that a lot of hostel options appear in my searches. The average cost for hostels in Japan is usually between 2,000 to 4,500 yen. That's going to set you back about $20, maybe up to $45 for each visitor each night. Mike, uh, what was your experience? It's it's really not bad, like especially those prices and things that's here. The setup for the rooms can vary some. Uh, when I stayed in my um, my hostel in Japan in Kyoto, it was very Japanese style. So you're sleeping on futons and you're sleeping on a tatami mat floor. Um, And really, hostels usually end up utilizing larger rooms that you could share with other travelers. And it seems that when I've searched for these more recently, that a lot of these locations are now utilizing bunk beds. And again, if that's going to be just you and your friends, that's not so bad. Uh, But when you begin to start sharing with those with other people, kind of up in the air right now. Yeah. So these rooms are often shared by at least four people and can go up to eight or more people depending on the hostel. One thing to check before you travel with a group is to see if the rooms are gender segregated or not as depending on your group makeup that may end up resulting in you spending your time in separate rooms. Yeah. That's not the the type of thing when you're traveling with friends where you're going to be like, hey, See you guys tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) You four stay over there and I'll stay with these three random people over here. Whatever room I'm in is definitely the cool kids room. So there you go. There you go. So one other thing to take into account when considering a stay in hostels is that you'll often be responsible for putting out your futon and making your own bed during your stay. Uh, One reason for the gender segregation for this type of lodging is that you will often end up sharing bathrooms with the other guests. Mike, what was your bathroom experience when you stayed in 
the hostel. It was shared, um, which was a unique, <laughs> like, it, you know, experience because sometimes you have to wait for people. And basically what it did was uh, instead of um, waiting, you know, like at now it wasn't at the case at the time. But like, you know, you're watching a Netflix movie and you're you're just watching and watching and you're letting it build till you really have to go. No, no. When you begin to feel like you need to go is the time to see if that. Got to get that, in line, right? Yeah, you got to get in line. Got to get in line. So, so Mike, do, do these places provide you any of the amenities? Like if you're staying in the United States, do you get the, the bar of soap? Do you get the shampoo? Do you get the towel? Or what, what do you need to do there? It, it's, you know, what I've been finding is that they do provide some things. But uh, one thing I do recommend is looking at the reviews, uh, depending on where you're staying, to see what other you know travelers are saying they have. Um, but definitely uh, one of the things I brought up in the past uh, episodes is and one thing I'm actually adding to my trip for this one is to bring your own towel, because sometimes you have to rent them or, you know, they may not be available. Um, and I'd hate to, you know, ruin your trip, <laughs> you know, for the night or be extra smelly the following day because you're missing out on some of the things you have. So BYOT, bring your own towel. Because <laughs> if you're not, you're, you're going to go to the hostel and you're going to have to pay some sort of rental fee. That rental fee probably will add up and you could just bring your own towel. One perk of a hostel is that sometimes you'll end up having access to a coin operated washer and dryer so you can clean your clothes during your stay uh, for, for a pretty reasonable cost. Doing so means you can bring less clothes on your trip and as a result, have less weight in your backpack. So, um, you know, we have this kind of back and forth. When you say the washer and dryer, I didn't think of this when, before we talked. There are tons of places around these where you can find a laundromat in Japan and going to a laundromat is an experience in and of itself. We'll have to talk about that in the future. But any anywhere that you, Tom, can have a washer, dryer all in one, throw those clothes in there, wash it, dry it and come back out like ready to fold and go. Uh, it's just one more thing to experience in Japan and, and is is huge. So even if that hostel doesn't operate it. I bet you there's one nearby you. Right, wait, back up a minute. So this machine does the washing and the drying for you? It's and they're huge, Todd. Wow. Let me tell you, some of them like are large enough. I found out after the fact that they're meant for uh, the futon, like to, to, to wash that. But when you're traveling for a long time, it's nice to just throw all of your clothes into like one thing and then like, you know, pull it back out. But yeah, the wash and dry. And it was nice because when you're traveling with a group, finding those moments to yourself like you don't know when you're going to need them yeah and i found myself needing them and when i did that washing like my clothes and stuff it was that like 45 minutes or an hour of time where i was just like cool i get to zone out relax for a bit and uh you know go on from there as the laundry nerd of our family that's really impressive to have a machine that can do both um Let's see here. Some hostels will have a communal kitchen as well, which can allow you to cook some of your own meals during your stay. Do these kitchens, do they supply water, coffee for you as well? Or is that additional charges? Like some of them do have coffee. Um, but I again, it's like it goes back to those reviews. Um, and it seems like a lot of the kitchens, um, they're going to give you the base things that you need. So don't expect to have like, um, you know, extravagant things, you know, to make your meal and stuff. It's more like, there's going to be hot water, um, some pots and pans, those type of things that you do have. Some simple cooking. Oh, right? yeah. So just like at Western style hotels, you can often find Wi-Fi and communal, communal rooms that may also have a TV and PC for guests to use during their stay. 
Always remember to clear your browsing history if you do use any computers that are shared at hotels or hostels to help make sure your information is safe and secure. One difficulty in using a hostel for more than one night is that some hostels require everyone to be out of the hostel between uh, certain hours, like 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Why, why is that, Mike? It's During that time, it's like really when they go back and start cleaning and getting everything out. And I don't know if this is something that's going on because of COVID or it's just this is what it was. Because um, even back when I went back in 2004 um, and was staying at the hostel, we had to leave. So if you're spending multiple nights, you have to find if you don't want to bring your luggage around with you, you're going to have to find a coin locker or just ask. Sometimes they will let you store your things at the hostel when you go out for the day, but you can't just count on that. Fact. Yeah. Yeah. So the result of that is you can find some outside lockers, uh, you know, make sure you get the right size based on the luggage or backpack that you have. So, Mike, that that's pretty much wraps up the general stuff around hostels. Can you tell us about capsule hotels? For sure. And one adventure I've not participated in and um, I don't plan on participating in because of my height are uh, capsule hotels. And for those of you looking forward to them, you geek out and you do you. Um, it's I'm sure going to be a fun experience for you. Um, but I've lost count on how many people I've seen on YouTube or Instagram kind of like review this type of lodging. And one of the things, to, you know, it's one of those things to consider if you're going to do your first trip to Japan. And it was very much the same for me. Like when I would, before I went, I'm like, man, I want to stay in a capsule hotel. Uh, this is something that I want to do. This is very Japan. Um, they look like they're, you know, not much money for what we have. And, um, but one thing I began to realize pretty quickly is that you don't have much space. It kind of comes in the name capsule. Um, but you don't have much privacy. And I don't know about the quality of your sleep overall. Uh, one thing um, that they don't tell you is that, you know, capsule hotels do have a lot of similarities to hostels uh, in regards to bathrooms um, and things as this. But one thing that capsule hotels have that the um, others don't is that they're going to have a lot of Japanese businessmen that might have missed the last train after work. Or going out with coworkers because it is a very cheap option for them to go through. And one thing that is a big difference about the hostel is that your space is pretty much just the size of your bed. And it may end up even resulting in you not being able to sit up in your bed, you know, comfortably again, depending on height. Um, you'll get a TV in these capsules, but you're not going to be talking like you have a lot of varied things uh, to, you know, watch during your time. So, and since your room is so small, even there, you're going to have to use a coin locker. So you're going to be adding on cost to your stay. So just something to take into account. Um, you know, if I was, uh, you know, I, out in a city and I just brought like a day pack filled with things because uh, I didn't know if I was going to stay or not, you know, possibly this might be uh, something good because then I'm just doing a locker for a small bag. I just don't know about my larger travel bag that I have. Um, and one thing that, you know, it is. It is an option if you miss that train or you miss that's here. But realize for some of the reviews I was looking at, uh, you know, you heard a chorus of 60 people snoring. So <clears> you <throat> don't have a door to shut. You don't have like that wall dividing you. So you're going to hear a lot of things that you wouldn't hear uh, necessarily otherwise. So uh, let's move on to one type of lodging in Japan that I'm truly interested in partaking uh, on my next trip with my son. And that's temple lodging. Um, 
So, Tom, like pricing for these can really range from anything for like $50 a night to $150 a night, depending how close they are to like a popular like tourist area. And you'll be given like two vegetarian meals more often than not. Um, and, and sometimes even being asked to be a part of morning prayers uh, with the Buddhist monks that run the temple. Uh, you're going to, of course, have a very traditional Japanese stay, tatami mats, uh, futon beds, and the room might be shared with other travelers as well. So a few more things to be aware of is that you may not have a lock on your room. Hmm. You're staying at a temple, you know, so you can count on sharing toilets, sinks with other guests, maybe possibly the monks, and that some of the amenities that you would normally have uh, or expect to have may not be available. And that means no Wi-Fi and, you know, no AC, depending on, you know, what's going on, uh, you know, for things. So just things to be aware of. Uh, your meals are going to be made with local ingredients uh, so and served, you know, lightly with seasoning. And from what I've read, it's just truly a pleasure uh, to have. And one additional perk, though, of staying at a temple, like I said, is you could join in on morning prayers. Uh, but if you're looking to sleep in, <laughs> probably not going to happen, Tom, because I heard that it's usually around 6 a.m. Mm. Uh, when you're asked to wake up. And those the, uh, you know, those like prayer sessions, things go anywhere from 30 minutes to 60 minutes. And. Maybe for one of my nights, but I don't know that I could be repeatedly yeah. waking up like, you know, at 6 a.m. every day. I, I think you're going here for the experience. Yeah. yeah. Sounds it sounds great. You know, and if this ex experience does sound interesting to you, one website that you can uh, look at uh, for your booking is either booking.com or um, JapaneseGuestHouses.com. And that's actually one of the sites we're going to be uh, looking to interview uh, over my spring break time. And um, I look forward to that. I really do look forward to that uh, to see what they offer and can offer all of our listeners uh, for the next trip for Japan. At this time, Mike and I are going to pause our talk on lodging in Japan. Don't worry. We'll continue our talk on lodging in episode 17 or 18. It will be around that time that the show will be moving on to the wonderful city of Kanazawa and also potentially have another guest on our show to talk about their experience of staying in the city and share one amazing possibility for lodging for your visit. It's let me tell you, Tom, the pictures that they like uh, that, that he shared, like it's on my list of places that I want to stay. Oh, let me tell you. There you go. <laughs> so now I think it's time for us to begin boarding our flight. I'm pretty sure, Tom, I heard somebody uh, start calling for us. So let's start looking. Uh, oh, I think over here we can store our luggage uh, and make our seats. Luckily, we both have aisle seats and. We can kind of sit down, relax, and uh, Tom and I could begin sharing some travel ideas for once we land in Osaka for our third talk today. And the Google Doc for the show that includes the map link for these locations uh, will be in the show notes. So for those of you that like to follow along with us, I'm going to continue using the middle of June as the date that is going to be used to figure out cost and stuff like that. So as usual, we'll be sharing the sale cost as well as the full uh, cost of it. And let's start today's uh, talk on lodging with some actual examples of hostel uh, capsules and um, some other lodging for your stay in Osaka. So the first place that we're going to look at is the Ultra Hostel. This is a pretty unique hostel experience and one that 
I just had to include, even if it may not be your typical experience. This hostel is located in the Nanawa ward of Osaka in Nippon Bashi. Am I saying that right, Mike? You, you know, we, we don't, we don't, there's no uh, judging no here because I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I mess up enough here. I, and I can sure barely speak English. So yeah, um, that's, that's right. That's right. You, you weren't hired uh, for your uh, for my, Japanese prowess. Huh? There we go. <laughs> this location does have a website that you can translate to English with a Chrome browser if you don't book through a travel site for your stay. Currently, this hostel has a five-star rating for over 70 reviews. That's pretty outstanding. One thing that makes this hostel unique, possibly due to COVID, as past reviews mention a very friendly staff, is that this hostel has no permanent staff. Check-in and check-out if you book through their site is handled through the app KakaoTalk at KakaoTalk plus friend at Ultra Hostel. Pretty impressed, Tom. That was, that was nice. I was waiting for you to trip up there. But you did it awesome. There Good you job, go. my friend. This location has five floors and no elevator. So if you're bringing larger luggage that isn't a travel backpack, this may not be the best choice for you. On their site, they say that they really went out of their way to make sure their beds are as comfortable as possible. And that seems to be very much uh, carry through to their reviews. When looking at the pictures for this location, it really does blend the lines between hostel and capsule hotels but it looks like your space is larger than the average capsule hotel. This lodging does come with free Wi-Fi and is really close to Ibisuchu Station. Floors are divided by men and women, with the first floor being the entrance. Uh, the second floor is the shared kitchen area and the front desk area. There is an area for your shoes, and another nice perk is that this hostel did provide soap for your use in the shower area. One comment that comes up repeatedly is that the entire area is very clean and that the beds were wider than you'd expect. The location is also a perk for this hostel and truly a good choice if you're looking to experience a hostel for your stay. And, you know, just one thing to throw out, Tom, when they say wider than expected, that just means you might have an average bed for what you <laughs> like so, you'd expect here. Like a, so. like a twin bed, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but it's it, it is that is some place where I'm like, you know what? I'm not sure about those the the capsule hotels, but if I was going to have to stay in a place uh, for a hostel, this is definitely one that's here. And I think the comments around location are important. You're on vacation. You don't want to have a long, long commute or travel time. Location, location, location. Stay where you want to go look at sites. Love it. Love it. OK, for our next uh, part that we're going to talk about, it's a. Uh, one that I'm pretty excited, if I was going to have to stay in a capsule hotel, Tom, um, it'd be the sauna and capsule Amza, because really, any stays made better when you add a sauna to it. <laughs> so um, with over 1,200 reviews and the, you know, a pool, um, spas, and even massages for your stay, really puts this one over the top. This location does have a website that really offers some great pictures. Uh, about the location and shows off what your experience is going to look like. And this capsule hotel is a short five-minute walk uh, to the Duttonbury District, a four-minute walk to the Namba Metro Station, and a little over a mile to Shinsibashi. You'll get a free Wi-Fi um, access. You'll have TVs, uh, refrigerator in your capsule event, which, like, that's new to me, like uh, having some place to actually store some drinks or something for yourself. Pretty cool. Um, during your stay, you'll even have access to a restaurant that's on location. Um, 
and again, I can't say massage uh, enough, especially when you're walking around as much as you're going to do there. Um, the sauna and spa, pretty reasonable time, like 1100 yen or around $11 for an hour of use. Um, and even offers you the experience of an outside sauna, depending on time of year uh, that you're going. And with that, you're going to have a wonderful view. And uh, there were a couple of people that mentioned uh, catching the sunrise uh, during their stay. And that, you know, it's a highlight. <laughs> that's that's pretty cool. So one thing that does appear again and again, though, and something you could expect to stay at a capsule hotel is that hearing people moving at night, um, the snoring, uh, different things going on that might impact your sleep. If you choose to stay in a capsule hotel, bring earplugs, my friends. Uh, it isn't a bad idea just to do this in general, especially if you're traveling um, you know, with other peoples or by yourselves. I don't know how many times, Tom, I was saved uh, by bringing earplugs even when traveling by myself, because uh, sometimes lodging in Japan, there's a lot of thin walls and you can hear things that you weren't expecting to hear. So I just did a, a Boy Scout camp out and it was an indoor camp out. I had to sleep with the other dads. And let me tell you, you want those earplugs. <laughs> that snoring will keep you up all night long. <laughs> Although we couldn't find any uh, temple lodging for Osaka itself, Mike, I did find a very cool Ryokan. Is that my thing? Uh, uh, Ryokan. Ryokan. To look uh, at for your stay when searching the Japanese guest houses. Website is called Kenoshi Ryokan. This location does have its own website and even offers the ability to change the language for the site to a variety of different languages in the upper right-hand corner of the site. The majority of the rooms are Japanese style with tatami mat floors. Mike, Mike, what is a tatami mat floor? So the best way I could say it is like a, you're going to have a floor that has like these fibers. Uh, it looks almost like you have uh, like a, I'd say like a, like just a fiber floor. And it's one of those things you have to make sure like you don't want to bring your shoes in anywhere um, where you're going. But the one that is frowned upon the most are those tatami mat floors and when they're new, you can kind of tell they are new because they're green. And then as they age, they become kind of like more of just a tan, you know, color and stuff like that. But um, nothing that you want to be responsible for spilling things on, uh, for sure. Gotcha. The very Western style rooms that are available do have one flaw, and that is they do not have their own private bath and toilet. Honestly, though, if you're going to stay here, your choice is going to be one of the Japanese style rooms that are offered. Yeah, it didn't seem like they had many of those. Um, and I bet it's one of those things like if you didn't make a booking <laughs> and you were in the area, you're just like, ah, oh, all we have is this. And, you know, you do the best you can. So uh, this location uh, for this particular Roken is great as it's located riverside of Dauntonbury and the Osaka Minami. This the lobbies on the first first floor with the guest room starting on the third and running up through the sixth floor. A Japanese-style breakfast that is included with most rooms is served in the banquet hall on the third floor. Tom, um, those Japanese breakfasts uh, are not what you'd expect. Yeah, tell me about that. So you have, like, you're going to have fish, uh, you're going to have miso soup, you're going to have tofu, uh, very Japanese-style. It's almost like you had a meal. And a lot of times, uh, for many Japanese homes, it's kind of le leftovers uh, from the night before. And I'm not a huge fan of eating like last night's leftovers, uh, you know, it's different. Or, yeah. You know, it, it's an experience and it's something I would do like, you know, during your visit. But you're going to find me more often than not 
at like a McDonald's getting the triple sausage uh, uh, McMuffin or, you know, donuts or things that I shouldn't be eating normally. But because I'm on vacation, you're on vacation, Mike. You're on vacation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, one last thing about this reopen is that uh, they have or I should say a couple last things. It's here is they do have a banquet hall. That's that's where the food's going to be served on the third floor. And one other thing that you can have on the sixth is that you can have an onsen, uh, which we've talked about on previous episodes, Tom. And you'll need to bring in your room. They give you a yukata and a towel. Nice that they provide those for you. But you need to bring those with you. Otherwise, you're going to be, you know, (laughs) missing, you know, missing what you have. So um, but they do also provide hair dryers, shampoo, conditioners. Um, and body soap uh, for you as well. Uh, and one thing, Tom, like uh, we talked about this previous ones, it's just you're you're kind of cleaning yourself before you get into those baths. Um, and it's just nice that they provide some extra things for you. Yeah. We'll discuss more pricing options for other accommodations when we move on to our next city of Kanazawa. But for now, let's move on to talking about some other areas and food to explore for your stay in Osaka. So one thing um, that I absolutely love um, and I didn't know, uh, and this is why like, I truly recommend, I mean, listen to us, of course, but listen to other podcasts as well. And the gentleman from Japan 2.0 um, that uh, we had, that I was, you know, interviewed recently, and I'll be on their sh- uh, like show, Tom, too. Um, and one thing that's nice is they've talked about one of my top list of places to do in Osaka, and that's Denden Town. And I have it like penciled, underlined, circled, highlighted. My son knows, uh, Josh knows, anybody who's into vintage clothing, records, electronics, collectibles, this is your hidden gem that like people don't know about. Like this is when it pays to have friends that are in Japan because it's not something that you're going to hear about on other ones. And they have an amazing episode. I'm not going to be able to do it justice. They had like an hour plus episode on just this area alone and what you can expect to find, your experiences. Um, you know, so rather than go in too much detail about it, um, just please use the Google uh, Show Doc and go to Japan 2.0 and look for Dinden Town and enjoy their podcast uh, for yourselves. I do know that my son and I um, will be exploring this area extensively in search of various records and things. So we we're actually going to be creating a uh, shared doc, Tom, so we can have like. My dad's looking for this. Sam's looking for this. And we can pick things up for each other if we're in different areas. So it's going to be fun. It's a great idea. So part of why it's fun to collaborate on your trip or just on your podcast at times is that someone else can bring a great idea to the discussion, to your travel plans. And, you know, you could have a better experience about that. So, you know, again, we ask you to share any show ideas, any uh, anything about Osaka, anything about uh, Kinazawa that we're going to talk about next uh, to our email address, which is lostwithoutjapan at gmail.com. It was during our talks that uh, this upcoming podcast that Tom brought up that he'd love to experience some German food uh, while in Japan. And with that, we're going to be moving on to our extended dining experience for Osaka. And one of the things that I've said, like in previous episodes, Tom, is that I've had like Indian food that's been some of the best Indian food I've had, uh, some of the best Italian food. Like Japan does dining well, even if you wouldn't expect to have that be a good thing that's here. And if you're going to be doing an extended trip to Japan or looking at 
moving to Japan in the next six to 10 years, um, or just find yourself missing a meal from home. I know that eating experiences are going to be a very important part of your trip. Sometimes you just crave something. You know, Tommy, you pointed out, like, you know, you could crave like a big juicy cheeseburger, German food, pizza, Taco Tuesday. So Tom and I wanted to share a few Osaka restaurants that might satisfy some of your cravings. Yeah, both of us are dads, right? We have kids. They're they're not always going to embrace the food. So maybe from a different lens is maybe your kids want something, right? That's not Japanese. So the first place I want to tackle is everybody's favorite gluten delight pizza. Uh, Incidentally, my first experience with pineapple on pizza was outside of the United States and Europe. I found pages and pages, pages of pizza places in Osaka, but let's highlight just two. First, by the Tempozan giant Ferris wheel is Kuma Cafe. It's got five out of five stars from TripAdvisor. For a taste back home for breakfast with pancakes, lunch with pizza or burgers, or dinner with pizza, burgers, or a full bar, you won't walk away from this place hungry. TripAdvisor rates this the number three restaurant in all of Osaka. That's impressive because like Japan's not known for their pizza. So having that be ranked so high when like, right, uh, when when people think Osaka, they think like a food experience. So that was a huge fine on your uh, your part. Well, I I took a look at the pictures that they post on their Facebook page and and I got to say it made me hungry. Uh, check out that cappuccino picture. It's mouthwatering. But if Kuma Cafe's authentic Western pizza doesn't interest you and you want to spin it slightly, uh, there are loads of Italian places, but there is also a Japanese fusion, uh, which is an alternative I found called uh, Shizan Bar Paprika Shokudu Vegan. It's located in the Nisha Ward uh, that's located near the Nisha Ohashi Station. This restaurant has next level vegan options, including their pizza. Uh, This place takes both Eastern and Western dishes and spins a Japanese vegan flavor to it. Mike, the picture on this vegan vegan pizza makes you want to take the next flight. My recommendation is if you are jonesing for pizza, but still want to stay authentic, go to this place. You also have other options like ramen, veggie burger, and lots of other pizza options besides their uh, mainstay mushroom pizza. It looks mouthwatering. All right, Mike, who doesn't like Taco Tuesday? There are a ton of solid choices in Osaka. I don't think people realize how lucky we have it nowadays. Uh, Even when I traveled back in the 1990s, Europe struggled to have some of the diverse choices like tacos. You said that Osaka has plenty of choices. Let's try Takira La Fonda, which is walking distance from the Osaka Museum of History. The owner is from Mexico and is studying Japanese and Japanese culinary. Can you imagine when he starts fusing these dishes together what they would taste like? The only knock on this place is only that it's small and not very many vegetarian choices. People are raving that this is the best Mexican food that they've had anywhere. Cherry on top is the different kinds of margaritas offered. <laughs> this place is a gem, right, Mike? You know, after a long day of touring the Museum of History, a nice margarita would go down great, right? For sure, for sure. This place is a gem and even has its own Instagram account at Boo Tacos. Although it shows itself being temporary closed at the moment, that is only because of the COVID restrictions that have been extended. Once that is lifted, they'll be back up and running again. And 
you know, let's face it, I'm a meat and potato kind of guy. I like my beer. I'm German, and I love me some German food. So we've got the Beer Keller Traum, which is literally the beer cellar dream. And it's located in the Tanaji Ward near Tanamachi Station. Reviews for this restaurant are overwhelmingly positive, not only for the bottled German beer, but also for the authentic-looking food. Food can range from sausage to pretzels, cheese platters, pasta, and fish. Reservations can be made through a uh, table log, and many people point out that uh, the couple that runs this est- establishment, they're very warm, they're very friendly, they like to get out to uh, say hello to people when they visit. Mike, I can't wait for you to talk about your next discovery. Tom, like, uh, you hit it out of the park uh, with those suggestions for things that are here, because honestly... Um, I don't know that any of them would have made it in uh, without you being here. So some things are just meant to happen. It's a little different flavor, a little you know, different twist. Two people, better than one. Uh, now, Tom, <laughs> like I said, I didn't want to go into Denden Town, uh, the talk for like Japan 2.0. But one thing that I want to try to take advantage of on my next trip is um, vintage clothing, like vintage shops and things like that, because uh, a lot of our clothing uh, went to Japan. Um, so concert shirts, uh, jeans, other things like that. There's a there was a huge boom. There's continues to be a huge boom in those type of clothings. And sometimes it's fun to go see concert shirts that I remember seeing when I was like, you know, 80s, 90s and things like that. And being able to see those again, like super cool, uh, even if you don't buy anything. Um, so one of the places I found was Acorn Buy and Sell Vintage. And I definitely want to go to this store. It's super cool. They have jeans and clothing from the 50s and 60s. Like, yes, like jeans and clothing from the 1950s, 1960s. And, you know, although I don't see myself spending $4,378 for a pair of vintage jeans uh, that are Levi's from the from the the 50s uh, or most likely not spending $327 $327 for a vintage vintage denim jacket from England. Um, maybe if I win the lotto, Tom, you know, I, I could be decked out. But like, where else are you going to find like stuff in this grade of shape that you could literally uh, take and uh, wear with you? And like finding those things that you're looking for, it's great. So th- these prices and things like that doesn't mean that everything you're going to find there is going to be that price, that expensive. Um, but you may find something that you fall in love with and, you know, what better time to spend way more than you normally would, uh, than on vacation. So, um, with that, uh, you know, we're, we're going to go through, keep on going. Yeah. Mike, I mean, you were so excited when you found this acorn, uh, vintage place when you shared it with me. And and then we were kind of chuckling at the, at the prices for some of these vintage, uh, Levi's and, and jackets and things like that. If, if, if our dads and our grandfathers would have only known and just, you know, <laughs> bought an extra pair, we, we would have made out like bandits. Yeah, I just think like all that stuff, like for when you cleared out, you know, uh, you know, things from before. Like when I remember like we were like, uh, you know, unfortunately, like my grandfather, my grandmother like had passed away and stuff. And we're going through all those different things and just pitching things because it's nothing that you're going to wear. Like short sighted were we. Let me let me tell you, um, you know, with that, though, um. We're going to pause our talk on Osaka at this time, and uh, we're going to come back to it, Tom. But three episodes in a row on a city, even though it has a ton to offer, uh, may not be for everyone that listens to the show. And 
as always, uh, we're going to add recording time for the city uh, so that you can go straight to the city or listen to us uh, before. Um, you know, we'll keep on giving you those things, because like I say, Tom, uh, they may listen to our episode. And then when COVID restrictions lift, they may go back to ours and say, you know what? Uh, it was fun listening about temples and shrines and all those different lodging things here. But I want to just go straight to the city and kind of remember what you two, um, you know, talked about. So we'll add that in. Um, our show um, has been going on such a wonderful and hectic pace as of late, um, being part of two collaborations, uh, cl- uh, completing an interview for our show, planning a third and fourth interview for your listening listening pleasure. So I really hope uh, that you, the listeners, will understand when episode 16 takes a break from our regularly scheduled talks on travel in Japan Instead, focuses on that interview that I was telling you about um, that I'm hoping to have take place over spring break. Um, One also possible thing that might happen, Tom, is it might be a music episode of just, you know, music and things I listen to. I I was geeking out so much during our D&D trip last night or not our trip. It's, you know, D&D adventuring. We were tripping things that were here, but uh, just me tripping over my words. Uh, I found uh, Tom and I know I I probably told everybody at the table like 100 times. I found the MP3 audio for Oh, you were pumped up. You know, Lost in Japan, the whole movie just on audio where I can listen to it. I know that's geeking out to like a, another level, but like so happy. Years of searching for this. That's so. awesome. <laughs> so um we're gonna we will look to continue our talk uh in episode 17 with the capital city of the Ishikawa prefecture, Kanazawa. And we're looking to bring on another Lost Without Japan listener. Uh, to talk about their experiences from the show. Uh, So it's going to be great. Mike, I've got some housekeeping notes, but before I get there, I just want to thank you for allowing me to be part of the show today. Uh, Great uh, experience for me. Really appreciate it. And your hard work is is, uh, showing off because the show gets better every time uh, in every episode. So from a housekeeping note, please give a follow, a like, and a comment on your favorite streaming service. For updates on the show, Feel free to give a follow on Instagram at Lost Without Japan or visit lostwithoutjapan.libsyn.com. If you would like to reach out directly to the show, again, feel free to email lostwithoutjapan at gmail.com. I also want to say a big thank you again to our sponsor, the K-Pop Kimchi Podcast. The super brief advertisement will go at the end of today's show. If you could give a listen and check them out, it would be much appreciated. Well, thanks again, Tom. And as I was pointing out uh, to you before we even began recording, looking at our stats uh, before we get to our outro here, um, looking for our stats for Ellipson. And and I'm we're, we're like, I'm not doing this for stats. I know you're not doing this for stats, but seeing the amount of growth in our community and like seeing that that community from uh, December to January to February, like to March is like doubling. It's doubling every month is every what you month. shared with me. And it's truly global yeah. from Finland all the way to the United States, all Germany. the way to the Philippines. It's, <laughs> it's pretty like, amazing. It's, it's crazy. Like you're you know, reaching people that I never thought uh, would be, you know, some of the people that would be here. So for our um, outro for today, it does look like we are ready to land now. Thank you so much, Tom, for joining us on today's trip to Japan. It was a great experience. Thanks for having me, Mike. No, and on behalf of Lost Without Japan and our entire crew, 
I'd like to thank you for joining us on this trip, and we're looking forward to seeing you on board again in two weeks for episode 16. To everyone out there, Oginky Day. Stay well, my friends. Our show for um, will end uh, here in just a moment with our song of the day that's going to come from Japan and brought to you by one of my favorite bands, The Peggies. So thank you. Uh, reach out. Any feedback on today's episode uh, and format? Thanks for putting up with uh, our growing. You don't. You have no many. No idea how many times we began and started recording again. But we do have smiles from ear to ear. <laughs> no doubt about it. So looking forward to uh, talking to you again, my friends, in two weeks. Thank you all. Have a great rest of your day.
What's up, everybody? Welcome to the K-Pop Kimchi Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Turner, with my co-host, Paul Grella, Brian Limper. And when you need a break from planning your upcoming trip or maybe even your first trip to Japan, be sure to come check us out on the K-Pop Kimchi Podcast, your number one source for all things K-Pop related.